welcome to the Fantasy Unicorns Podcast, a fantasy basketball podcast with a dynasty focus. Welcome all fantasy fiends to episode five of the Fantasy Unicorns Podcast. Be sure to check out our website, thefantasyunicorns.com. For content like rankings, prospect rankings, and articles, our redraft rankings are up, and our dynasty rankings should hopefully be going up sometime this week. Uh, I know I've struggled to find time lately to really sit down and put mine together, but I've been slowly working them in bit by bit. As always, I'm joined by my partner, Tony. What's going on, man? Your uh, fantasy football team looking okay so far? I had a huge week. Huge week. I had the Pats defense just go crazy oh man i'm jealous um yeah i mean just just huge um and then julio my man my main man julio jones uh (laughs) my best friend i've met him before i met him courtside at a hawks game actually once oh nice um yeah he's uh he's the man he had a huge game um and vance mcdonald really uh really put me over the top, but we'll see how Vance is uh, for the rest of the season now without Big Ben because uh, I, I yeah. worry about his value now. But for what it's worth, the two touchdowns that he had this week both came from uh, from Rudolph, the backup. So, yeah, that's a good you know, we'll, uh, we'll see. Yeah, I need to make some moves. I need to bring in uh, – I have my, – my running backs are just rough. James Conner, Chris Carson, and, uh, and my main backups are – Philip Lindsay and Tevin Coleman. That's just, it's a rough, uh, it's a rough four. So I'm going to try and make a, a trade. I'm going to try to trade maybe Stefan Diggs for a, for a higher upside RB2, but yeah, we'll see. You know, you know, James Conner and Chris Carson were, were good picks at the time, you know, but uh, now that Big Ben's down, I don't know how much you can trust Conner anymore. You know, he, he'll take a big hit there. Yeah. And well, he also got injured. He also has a a, a knee injury. That's right. It's that's not. Right. I, we don't know if he's going to be out or not. I don't know if he's out next week or not. But uh, but that is something that he might have to deal with. I don't know the deal. Yeah, not looking good for the Steelers. My father-in-law is actually a huge Steelers fan, so he's a uh, he's not happy about it all. But that's um, rough. Yeah, I, I whittled my fantasy football leagues down to just two now to uh, continue focusing in on basketball a little more. Um, I'm in one keeper and one redraft, and I am 0-2 in the redraft so far. The big money redraft, I should add. So, That's a letdown. Yeah, I feel like I can pull through as long as the loss of Drew Brees, which breaks mm-hmm. my New Orleans heart, by the way, uh, doesn't impact Alvin Kamara too much. Um, yeah. But in the keeper league, I have somewhat of a super team with DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, George Kittle, Dalvin Cook, and Aaron Jones. So I like my odds wow. in that league. But this wow. will, unfortunately, be the final year I get to keep both Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas. But anyway, I did want to briefly talk about a, a draft we just did last night, if you're ready to move on into that. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. All Let's right. Let's do it. It was Kyle McEwen's expert league from uh, from uh, Basketball Monster. Um, so there's some really stiff competition there with him and some hoop ball guys, hashtag basketball, Rotowire, Yahoo, et cetera. You know, most of your fan- big, big fantasy platforms are represented here. So it should be a blast, but it's an eight cat head to head 12 team redraft league. And it was an auction style draft. And we were talking after the draft about how weird it feels doing, uh, I guess, normal shallower drafts like that after we've gotten, kind of caught up in the spider web that is the 30 team dynasty leagues lately <laughs> but I, I personally went with a kind of punt free throw percentage build because that's the way the, the draft fell to me after i got Giannis and lebron as my first two players and then ended up getting uh two of my pelicans with drew holiday and Derek favors and i'm trying to get lonzo ball but we'll see if that happens but um a- after also snagging clint capella i think it's safe to to say punting free throw percentage is in full effect for me but then i spent my final few bids trying to invest in threes because usually it's a two for one type of deal with punting free throw percentage in threes it's like peanut butter and jelly man but i do not want to be caught up in in punting two categories in an eight cat league so for better or for worse i ended up investing in danny green 
uh, Devise Bertans and Joe Joe Harris towards the end of the draft. Oh, and I also took a flyer on Cam Reddish at the end, who is apparently a point guard according to Yahoo. But uh, anyway, I know you had. It's some, true though. For what uh, it's we, worth, it's, I, it's yeah, true. Yeah, I think I, I could definitely see him being like a secondary type of playmaker because they don't have a backup point guard. They're going to be running Evan Turner out there, right? Right, right. So, That's right. Yeah, I could definitely see him facilitating a little bit. Um, but I know you had some like uh, technical difficulties at the start of your draft. So, uh, I did. How, how, how do you think your team fared? I mean, I'm pretty disappointed, if I'm completely honest with you. I got the, the auction... Uh, you know, it, it was a, a really quick auction, and in um, the end of the day, you know, the team that I ended up with wasn't wasn't horrible. The, the big the big result of the technical difficulty was bidding twenty four dollars on on Mitchell Robinson. Which, if this were a dynasty league, I would say that's that's great, that's awesome value. But it's not; it's redraft, and frankly. With the New York situation, I'm I'm really nervous, and it probably wouldn't have been. It was the first pick that I made, was bidding 24. It, it wasn't my pick; it was the the computer. I guess it just recognized that in its algorithm. I don't know how it works with Yahoo, but it, I guess it just recognized it as a as a potential deal. But I, I don't really see it as such. I mean, I, I it's not that I don't think that 24 is the right number. It's just I don't know if I necessarily would have gone for Mitchell Robinson this year in the redraft. Sure, and, um, and, and to me it depends. I mean, that could be a uh, that could be a very good number for him. It just depends on kind of how David Fisdale treats him. If he dicks him around right. and you know throws Bobby Portis yeah. and Taj Gibson out there, or if he plays in big right. minutes, you know. Yeah, and, and and I don't. The thing with uh, with Robinson for me is also that he doesn't really stay on the floor because of his foul trouble, and yep. his per thirty six numbers are like nothing I've ever seen before. They're they're unbelievable. So. Hopefully it doesn't hurt him as much as it might hurt someone else. But in any in any case where you're dealing with, you know, a, a shallow 12 team league, you can't have a guy who's not playing lots of minutes as one of your core guys. Um, it's not going to go well for you. So it doesn't look like I'm going to be contending or, or really pushing for anything this year unless I well, I mean, I'll have to make some moves. Um, so we'll, we'll I'll have to be super active here in trading and, and that'll uh That'll be interesting for us to uh, to do some analysis on, around trades as we get into the season. Well, I mean, at least at least the the player they bid on for you is one of the top shot blocking guys. You know, we're going to talk about positional scarcity and statistical right. scarcity a little later. And blocks is one of those stats that you know you can kind of struggle with a little later in the drafts if you don't get one of the better block guys in the beginning of the draft. So you have that going it's for you. It's true. It's true. And, and, and so the, when I got Robinson, I, I, you know, it it was Robinson. And then the next player that I got was James Harden, who uh, I'm trying to find on the, I'm not familiar with the the Yahoo layout. So uh, I'm trying to find the draft results so that I can be sure of how much I bid for him. But, uh, but it looks like, okay, I see $72. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I think is probably about right, um, yeah. you know, for, for James Harden. The reason why I even did it was because I thought that he was actually underpriced at that point. Um, sure. And it was pretty it was pretty early still in the draft. So, right. A lot of these early picks went for a little less than I thought. You know, Anthony Davis went for $63 as the first pick. And I guess just a lot of people weren't paying attention yet because it was the first pick. And I got snuck there in a, there a second too late. I I. I I was, was going to hit that bid button and just got there a second too late. Uh, I had that happen a couple times too. Yeah. That was the thing with the 10-second clock on the bid. Yeah, it resets you know? to 10 seconds every time. Yeah, yeah right, right, yeah. That made, it, uh, that made it tough. And down and getting down the, the line, I think there were some really shocking, uh, you know, like C.J. McCollum going for $16. Oh, for sure. It, it kind of seemed like... It, it was odd. Everybody was kind of saying it was a little strange because a lot of the early guys, a lot of the top tier kind of players went for kind of cheap. And then I guess we got to the middle of the draft and people started, people kind of started bidding, bidding like crazy. Yeah. yeah. And then we got to the end, closer to the end of the draft and it started being, you know, like food stamp type deals again. <laughs> Everybody started, yeah, a lot of players started going for a lot. Like you said, you know, CJ McCollum went for 16. I'm looking here. I got favors for 16, which I liked a lot. 
and just on just a lot of really good deals. Uh, Some of the well. higher ones I thought were uh, it was I saw Jimmy Butler go for yeah, what he, was it uh, forty two yeah, which yeah. I felt was high for Jimmy yeah um, you know but there you know there's a few there that that uh, uh, I'm kind of stoked that I got Giannis as my first guy because I, I I don't own him anywhere I don't have any Giannis shares so he kind of started my my punt build for me there and I got him for sixty six which I was very happy with so. Yeah, yeah it, it was a fun draft, all in all. Though I haven't owned Yanni in, in any of my leagues, and it's it's a it's a real shame. It yeah. really is. One player that I do have a share of in this league, who I'm really excited about, is uh, Shy Gilgis Alexander. Yeah, uh, and I'm thinking about making my team name some kind of, <laughs> you know, because this isn't this is like kind of the first time that it's on a 30 team, so you can kind of do. Yep. a pun or something around your around a player on your team i was gonna have it be here's to you mitchell robinson you know <laughs> like the like the young, song too long for the for for the yahoo name but if if you can fit it yeah no it doesn't fit it doesn't fit i tried to do it but it doesn't fit i thought it was really uh, funny if if anyone listening can has mitchell robinson and and you want to give me credit for that because i think it's genius <laughs> i um, love it you know, but that that it's a shame it doesn't fit. But I'll have to think of something else. Well, I also got I also got Markel Fultz, um, <laughs> and we talked about this a little bit in the beginning. Uh, I, I'm really we haven't really ever talked about him, uh, and I'm I'm kind of glad that we have the opportunity to a little bit because he's just such an enigma. And the funny thing is that I didn't actually even bid on him for some reason. The Yahoo system I guess bid on him automatically. It was like a like a one dollar bid. This was towards the end when, uh, when kind of you know it was mostly just guys who were bidding one dollars and yeah. you know if you wanted someone you could bid two, so for some reason Yahoo put added a two dollar bid in and I was like I don't really I didn't do that and I had him on my roster I was like where did that come from, <laughs> um, but I'm I'm not super upset about it because he'll sit on my bench probably for most of the year until you know something happens but right. say you know at some point he figures something out. And let's hope he, he could. does. I mean, the, the the Magic want him to and kind of need him to. You know, DJ Augustine's, what, like 34 years old now or something like that. So, you know, they kind of need him to step up. I know he still uh, still has that injury tag. Um, which, but at I mean, this point, it's not. Right. And they, I'd like to see him, you know, pull off like a bit of a comeback story this year, man. I, I think that would be great for the game. And the thing is, he's not a bad player. Even when he, I mean, even when he was having issues with this jump shot and his free throw right, shooting, yeah. he still put it. He still got that one triple double. He still like played really well in a few of the games that he did play in. Yeah, it, it, he has talent. It, it's just obviously, it's not. He hasn't shown number one, you know, the first first overall pick talent yet. Sure, in the he NBA, get, he might get that bust tag because. Uh, even if he ends up a good player, if he's not first overall pick type talent, exactly. he might still get that unfortunate bust tag. But yeah, he he still showed signs even without the jump shot, like you were saying. Like there, <clears throat> excuse me. There's other aspects to the game more than just shooting. I know it, that's right. It's a, it's a shooter's league now, and it's running that way. But you know, he can still impact the game in, in multiple different facets. So, all right, well. We have some uh, pretty fun stuff for today's episode. Later, we'll uh, go over some pretty interesting questions we received for our first mailbag segment. But first, we we wanted to touch on a very important aspect that goes uh, often goes on, overlooked by newer fantasy basketball players, and that's going to be positional and statistical scarcity. So... Keeping with the theme we started last week of, you know, the fantasy basketball basics, uh, we wanted to discuss a pretty pivotal topic here, and that's going to be positional and statistical scarcity in drafts. You have to know that even though you may believe two players will be similarly ranked and are close in fantasy production, if those players occupy different positions, one may hold a little more weight than the other for you, especially early on in the draft. Uh, you can find plenty of wing players and three-pointers later in the draft. But uh, what are some positions that might be a little more difficult to find in those later rounds, Tony? 
Yeah, a few of those uh, positions that become a little more difficult uh, to find are your your centers and your point guards. Um, because of the main stats that those positions produce, which are blocks and assists, as your average draft goes on, uh, it becomes more difficult to find centers who can consistently produce blocks, and it becomes more difficult to find point guards who can, in turn, consistently produce assists. Yeah, it's crazy just how lopsided this is. There were 36 centers in the top 100 in total value last year, but only 17 in the top 50. But maybe even more importantly, the blocks category falls off tremendously after the first few rounds. We touched on this in a recent pod, but... But blocks is a very important category to address early on. If you wait too long, it becomes exponentially more difficult to fill that category. It's certainly still possible, but you won't have the opportunity to the opportunity to win that one category with basically just one player, like your Rudy Gobert or your Mitchell Robinson. And another category that's important to address early on is assists, like you were saying. There were 30 point guards in the top 100 last year, but only 17 of those players averaged more than five assists per game. And I believe one of those was Darren Collison, who's gone now. And another was John Wall, which, yeah. Um, Now there will be at least a few lifelines in some of those later rounds. You know, Ricky Rubio and Jeff Teague should be available later on. Rondo could be a last-round pick for the really assist-needy owners. or uh, Or you could do what I'm doing in a couple leagues right now and... Instead of going after one or two of the big assist getting players, you draft several guards who just average a small handful of assist, of assists per game and also really contribute toward winning multiple other stats. Guys like Marcus Smart, Derek White, Fred Van Vliet, DeLon Wright, you know, these players may not average the seven or eight assists that the early round studs do, even though I believe Van Vliet has the ability to do that if he were given a larger role. But when you combine some of these players together, the dimes add up nicely. Uh, or if you have a couple of those nominal point guards, uh, punting assists is an option as well because they'll bring the, the added benefit of helping in other areas. But a strategy like that can get a bit iffy if you're not extremely confident in what you're doing there. Your best bet is to invest early in the draft. Elite point guards seem to be the rarest commodity this year, I think. You know... You can you can manage to grab a center or two in the middling rounds like Jonas Valanciunas or Derek Favors, who I'm extremely high on this year. It seems like over the last couple of years, young blossoming big men have come out of the woodwork. You know, Thomas Bryant, Bam Adebayo, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., who I absolutely love this year uh, for Dynasty and Redraft. He should have a huge role as long as he remains healthy. But guys like that have made for fun drafts lately. But the point guard position is a bit trickier. You have your top-tier elites like Steph Curry and James Harden. Then there's that next level with Dame, Kyrie, Drew, Kemba, Trey, Booker, D'Lo, and Donovan Mitchell. Um, Darren Fox. Yeah, Fox. And maybe Mike Conley. Um, Then then you have uh, the kind of last-stop point guards like like, like, like when you're on a road trip and you're about to drive through the desert and there's that one last gas station where you, if you don't stop, you're screwed if you need gas. <laughs> the, the, the guys... Chris, Chris Dunn Station. <laughs> Chris Dunn Station. The guys who come with obvious weaknesses, but your hand is basically forced in this scenario if you didn't take a couple of the earlier options. You know, that's where Jeff Teague and Ricky Rubio come in. Um, Terry, so thing, Terry Rozier. Rozier, yeah. Rozier Island. Yeah, I, yeah, he could he could even go a little earlier too, depending on you know it just depends on your build. You know he's gonna completely sure. hurt your field goal percentage. But yeah, um, and the last thing I'll bring up is actually something I briefly mentioned in the last pod, but it's worth mentioning here again. You know, finding out of position stats that can that can be a game changer. Like Sabonis having the capacity to to get assists when given the chance, or Guards like Drew Holiday and Derek White having the skill set to get you above average blocks. You know, just some extra food for thought there. So some land yap, as we would say down here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, you, you got anything else to add here? We can. Uh... Yeah, um, I, one other name that I wanted to toss into the hat, who's who's a, a guy who I think actually kind of gives um, 
gives you some some touch in multiple categories is, is actually Alfred Payton. Yeah, he's a bit of a he's a, he's a bit of an interesting character, kind of a, a, a tragic figure uh, in the NBA, in my opinion. He's a guy who you know has kind of been kicked around the league. Who there's nothing really inherently wrong with him, other than the fact that he can't shoot. Um, but outside of that, you know, there's a lot of things that Alfred Payton does pretty well. And one of them is pass the ball. He gets quite a few assists. Um, and he also has the opportunity to, you know, be a steals guy. He gets some rebounds, more rebounds than you than, than maybe you'd expect from someone in his position. Um, and to your point, you know, he gives you the opportunity to get a couple a couple stats in some in some categories that you wouldn't otherwise get from that position. Yeah, yeah, he'll. Uh... He, he won't help you in field goal percentage, but like you're saying, some of the counting stats he gets can really help. The the rebounds, especially the assists, he he just loves to pass the ball to somebody else to score. Uh, yeah, because he can't do it himself. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For better or worse, you know, that's that's the, you know, but but they, listen, we've had a lot of guys in the league that are like that. Ricky Rubio's like that, right? right. Um, and, and that's something that it's always going to be a thing in the league, but it it is what it is. He still provides from a fantasy standpoint. It's one of those things where he might not be your favorite basketball player, but he's a good fantasy option because of how, because of how his game is set up. Um, And one, and one other person that I want to bring up as, as an assist guy is Joe Ingles. Um, And obviously he's not, it's not, he's not a great option for dynasty, but if you're a team who's, you know, looking for, for assists and threes late in the draft, um, you know, he's someone that you can definitely look to. And I think that this year in Utah, he might not be handling the ball as much with Conley there, but you know, if knock on wood, something does happen to Mike Conley, it's the Joe Ingles show out there, um, especially with the ball. So, um, sure. it is definitely someone to look at as an option. And they're talking about, uh, I've heard, multiple arguments here, but a lot of people are saying, you know, Joe, Joe Ingles could come off the bench and be like, the primary lead that second and scorer for the second unit. Exactly. Right. So yeah, absolutely. He averaged, well, let's see, 5.7 assists per game last year. You know, that's some of those out of position um, stats that we were talking about. You know, he's not a nominal point guard, but he's going to get you those assists anyway. So yeah, that's a good call. And, uh, and going back to Alfred Payton real quick, it, it, it really depends on how, uh, Fisdale uses him and Dennis Smith Jr. You know, Gen- Dennis Smith Jr. has had plenty of struggles so far. Yeah, so I would not be point. surprised if they just kind of split minutes kind of right down the middle. You know, Alfred Payton gets 23, 24 minutes per game, and DSJ gets uh, somewhere around the same. So if that's the case, yeah. he, he could still remain fantasy relevant. So And let's not forget uh, Akina as well. That's you know, true. Akina. He's been a forgotten guy, and I know he's had – I didn't follow him closely here, but I know he had at least one good game in FIBA. Mm-hmm. Had a, um, he did with France. Yeah, he played really well in the uh, he played really well in the in the USA game. Yeah, and I'm not just talking about on defense either. He he no. showed some development on the offensive end. So, you know, here's to hoping he can become what uh what Phil Jackson apparently saw in him. So, oh my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry. I'm watching this Jets Browns game. Oh, I, I'm, I looked apologize. away for a minute. I missed. Did I miss something? Yeah, Trevor Simeon just broke his foot. Oh my God! And they showed it, and it was. Oof. Oh man, it kinda, was. It's one of those things that you know I don't want to exactly see it, but I want to see it. I hope they play. <laughs> I don't want to say I hope they play it again, but I, I, it, I mean, it's tough to watch. His foot just crumbles. Oh, man. It just gets crunched. He he broke his foot. I mean, it is it is broken. Jeez. Oh, you know, Sam Darnold, what their the starting quarterback, <laughs> out with mono, and now their backup breaks his what foot. What are the Jets oh, going to do? Oh, my oh. God. Sorry, listeners. Apologies. This is just live. <laughs> <laughs> live, uh, live football reactions. talk here. You know, another. I was watching the Braves play the other day um, against the Nationals in Washington, and Charlie Culberson, one of the guys on the on the bench, squared around for a bunt and just ate a ninety six mile per hour mile per hour fastball in the face, wow. just straight to the face. It was it was horrible. It's one of those things that they showed it, and 
you just can't you need to look away you can't look at it it was really uh i mean some of these things he is all right it it doesn't look like a shocking he's out for the season but shockingly it didn't look like he there's no sort of damage to his eye it it kind of hit his cheek um, and they said that it wasn't a severe, like it, it's not a fracture of the, of the orbital socket, which is unbelievable, honestly. Yeah. Truly unbelievable. I can't believe it. Um, yeah, if, he, if he avoided any, any position of his face getting demolished, that's a, that's a win there. <laughs> exactly. Um, so anyway, it, it's sometimes you, you see things that you really hate to see when you're watching sports, like, oh, like this sure. Simeon situation, but, uh, yeah, it brings me back to the. Uh, Gordon Hayward and Karis LeVert kind of freak accidents. Nurkic. Nurkic, yep. Uh, Paul, Paul George. George that, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it, I mean, they stick with you. Anyway. Anyway. It's <laughs> not, it, you know, we really got sidetracked here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can move on. Back to, our to basketball, <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> let's do our first ever mailbag since transitioning over to a new podcast era, so. Okay, our first question is from at NBA on Twitter. And he actually has his own podcast, too, and does some pretty good stuff, so be sure to check him out. But his question is, is the veto system to prevent collusion or to protect the league from unbalanced trades? Uh, I like his question. Uh, it's different from the norm. Uh, I kind of think it's a bit of both and might depend on the commissioner. I'm actually not a fan of vetoing, but I'll pass the ball to you first, Tony. Uh, how would you answer that question? Yeah, I, I think it is a good question. You know, vetoes, in my opinion, first off, it depends on the league. Um, there's some leagues where it, it might make more sense, you know, to keep some balance, maybe in a beginner's league where you can use right. the veto as more of a you know, well, maybe this person doesn't really get it or maybe they're, you know, making a mistake, um, you know, and, and sometimes that's, you know, a little bit, especially in a situation where it's maybe some, you know, friendly and that, that I think is a little more um, reasonable. But in the context where you're in a more serious, maybe a little more serious league, I think vetoing should really be kept for the most extreme circumstances um, where yes, it is a situation where it's a collusion where, you know, in the dynasty situation, you know, someone is offloading all of their good players for nothing in in return in the hopes of tanking or something like that. Um, There might be, you know, people colluding because someone wants to leave or they say they're going to split the pot that, you know, these types of things happen, especially if you're, you know, in a league where you don't know anyone and, and you know, it could, you know, these things do happen. And, and in those contexts, yes, you do need to have some type of a veto system in place. Um, one thing that I really like is something that Kevin brought up in his article uh, about, you know, the diary of a, of a dynasty fantasy league. And one thing that he brings up is, is having a, a board. And what that does is it allows for these types of veto situations to be a little bit more of a communal situation and it's not a situation where the commissioner alone is saying this deal is up for veto because sometimes things will slip through the cracks right you it could be a very vetoable deal and it just slips through the cracks because no one's paying attention you know more often than not the commissioner is the one who's paying attention and will say hey you know yeah uh this is a, a deal that that i think we need to take a deeper look at in a board situation, there's a group of people looking at that, and it's just easier uh, for the league when there's a group of people that are agreeing and saying, hey, you know, we think this is the problem, and to put it to a, a veto vote versus just one person, it makes it a little easier. Yeah, I agree with you here. Um, let me start this by saying vetoing in your fantasy leagues is not great unless you're under the circumstances like you were bringing up that maybe it's a beginner league. Um you know, just push the trades through if it's if it's a more experienced, more not expert league, but just more experienced league in general. Um, I can understand wanting to avoid collusion. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just used to playing in a tremendously competitive leagues where collusion and, and extremely lopsided trades aren't really an issue. Although there was a league I was almost a part of recently that had a really terrible trade right at the start before the draft really got going and even before the league had a group me chat set up 
And it was actually the commissioner who was the one receiving the huge package in the lopsider trade, which certainly raised some red flags. But I feel like deals like that are an anomaly and not something to really worry about. Look, if an extraordinarily lopsided trade takes place, your league mates will certainly be on it and bring it up in the chat. And if they don't, you're not playing in a very good league. <laughs> but for the most part, I'm against vetoing um, outside of those situations we were talking about. But to answer the question, I do believe it's a bit of both. Commissioners might put a veto system in place to protect his league and to prevent collusion, especially if it's an online league or a Reddit league where he doesn't know anyone personally. You know, but I, I guess we can get into our next question here. This one is from at Jero1D, who asked, who would you rather have long-term in a nine-cat dynasty league? Seku Dumbuya or Anthony Simons? And I actually discussed this with him a little bit. It's a good one, though, for me. Uh, I just slightly leaned Anthony Simons. Great question. Yeah, I, I think I'm buying into the hype on him. He, he was largely an unknown coming into the NBA and didn't play much his rookie year because that's what the Trailblazers do. They don't really rely on their young guns very much. They give they give them time to cook a little bit before throwing them out there with uh, with a rota- rotational role. But they've said all the right things about him so far, and I think he could even push for something like a six-man role as early as this season. And real quick on Dumboya, um, he has such a wide range of outcomes, in my opinion. You know, he possesses a fantastically high ceiling, but his floor is a little iffy for me. Now, I tend to believe he will at least end up becoming a rotational player who can defend and hit some shots, and his physical tools can't be denied, but it all depends on what Detroit does with him and how they utilize him early on. Hopefully, they take a page out of Portland's playbook and let him take his time in the G League while bringing, bringing him up every now and then to you know, learn behind Blake and drum in and, and get a taste of the real league, but not relying on him heavily because he was the youngest player in the draft. You know, he, he's got a lot of learning to do and growing up to do still. Um, but yeah, that's why I, I kind of leaned Simons there, but I definitely see the case for uh, Seku long-term. But what do you think, Tony? Do you have any preference between those two? You know, I, I had a feeling that you and I would have a different opinion on this. Oh. Um, I, I, I just, I well, first off, I should I should preface this by saying that I, I do own Dumbaya in, uh, in the Fantasy Unicorns League, the Dynasty League. And um, first, let me say that I like both of these players quite a bit. I think that they both have extremely high upside. Um, but to your point, I think that between the two, I'm picking Dumbaya because I think that between the two, he has more upside. You're right. I, that- I, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, and you're right that his floor is is lower than than Simons. Um, that said, I do wonder if Simons is, has the ability to become a consistent offensive threat, um, whereas Sekou has already shown in France, it has shown flashes of the ability to become a primary offensive option because of his ability to initiate off the dribble and his very good catch-and-shoot uh, three-point opportunity, uh, uh, shooting. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, that Sekou today is he's much more of a question mark. Um, but if, you know, to answer the question head-to-head between the two, the reason why I'm picking Sekou is because if you're picking one of these guys, chances are you're rebuilding in a dynasty setting or you're looking for upside. And if that's the case, then you should go for the higher upside play, which is Dumbaya. Um, and, and also on top of that, I just think that he has the ability to become – you know, he's 18 years old. He's 18 years old. He, he's, he's still a kid. And his frame looks, he looks like he could put a lot of weight on. He looks like he, he's still going to grow. We have something that could potentially be like a Yanni, a Yanni Sadunakumbo situation. Obviously, you know, you, you, <laughs> you hesitate to say something like that. But sure. you could have a, a Yanni situation where you, you get someone who comes into the league extremely raw, um, from a physical standpoint and from a development skills standpoint, but with an NBA uh, regimen, with the NBA system, you know, turning into something really, really fantastic. Um, one big question mark with Dumbaya, what my last point here is uh, the team situation. Actually, for both of these guys, 
the team situation is a bit of a question mark. Um, you know, Detroit and Portland, neither of them are, are really known for speeding up their development or having, you know, being really good at development. Portland is known as a good development place, but the, the situation is like what you said, where, uh, you know, they, they don't really give a lot of minutes to their, uh, to their, to their players, uh, to their younger players. Um, however, on the, you know, in Detroit, the, the question becomes a little bit more around, you know, what does the depth chart look like? And then, you know, are they really going to give Sekou Dumbaya that opportunity? Are they really going to give him a chance to, uh, you know, to, to, to play and to test things out? Um, to me, I don't know if they're, he's not going to get that chance this season. I don't know if he's going to get it next season. It's it's more likely that it'll be you know in three years time that we'll really have a good sense of of what Seiko Dumbaya could be and 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 I think that if he were in another if he were in another setting like like in Atlanta or in Charlotte or in Cleveland or Memphis or something like that he he'd have a better opportunity he'd be more fantasy relevant but you know it's going to be a, a long road with uh, with Dumbaya but but it, it could pay off big time. Yeah, while we, while we might not agree on the the exact answer here, I think we we do agree on the potentials of these players. You know, uh, Seku is more of the home run play. Where I mean, Simons isn't necessarily a safe play at this point. I mean, we still haven't really seen much of him, but he just may be a little safer than than Seku, uh, at least in my opinion. You know, Seku to me might have second round value. Uh, potentially, while, you know, Simons, I, I could see him becoming a top 40 type of guy. Um, I wouldn't put him in the first or second round, but we can move into our next question here. What is the best and worst case scenario for Fred Van Vliet? What does he look like down the road when Kyle Lowry is out? I personally love his outlook, but I worry that NBA teams might not see him as a lead guard for a championship team. But I'll lob this question to you to answer first, though, Tony. What do you think? Yeah, I think Fred Van Vliet is, a, is a, an interesting question. I think that, you know, at best he could turn into um, – I think best case scenario is something, you know, Kyle Lowry either gets – well, I don't know. There's a lot of different ways that this could play out. The Raptors could – not could be just not very good, right? They could come out the first 20, 30 games. They just don't look like they're going to be, you know, a team that's really going to be contending. Um, they don't look like they're going to be a, a, a top six team in the East. It looks like they might be battling it out for an eighth seed. Um, they might choose to pivot, uh, you know, trade Kyle Lowry, um, you know, to a to a contender who needs a point guard, and, and then you know initiate the rebuild and, and really build around Pascal Siakam. If that happens, then Fred VanVleet becomes a, a really valuable player. He becomes the main point guard on a bad team, which, as we all know, extremely valuable from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah. He would get a lot of shots, a lot of assists, um, a lot of steals, all that stuff that you like from Fred VanVleet. I think, um, you know, a, a, a worst case scenario for Van Vliet is, you know, stagnation. It would be, you know, he doesn't really do anything. He kind of stays in the same place that he was at, uh, you know, last season. And obviously last, last season he, he was good. He was much better at the end of the year than he was in the beginning of the year. Um, and, and if we get more of end of year Fred Van Vliet, then obviously we're we're pretty happy with that. But if we get more beginning of the year, Fred Van Vliet, then then we're not very happy with that. Um, and and as a result, you know, you kind of the, the the worst case scenario to me is you know Van Vliet just becomes he he stays as the backup option. Uh, he doesn't really rise to the occasion. If if Kyle Lowry maybe you know needs fewer minutes this season, he doesn't really step up. He concedes minutes and, you know, ball handling duties to Justice Winslow. Um, oh, no, sorry, not Winslow. Uh, they, they got Stanley Johnson, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Stanley Johnson can handle the ball. I know that you're not a huge fan of his. Um, but <laughs> I, that, I actually... That he, broke, he broke my heart early on. I was, a big, I was big on Stanley Johnson coming out of the draft, and he was one of my biggest misses, that's all. 
Yeah, I, I can see that. I'm, I'm still not, I haven't given up on him yet. If I'm being honest, I still think he has potential. It's one of those situations where it's actually the Detroit thing where they just didn't really give him an opportunity to, to, to kind of do what he, to, to, to feel out his game. I think he will get that opportunity in Toronto to feel out his game a little bit more. And, and if that happens, then I think Fred VanVleet becomes the main, uh, you, you know, he's the main detractor at that point, if that does happen. Um, you know, and, and, and we'll see. I think Fred VanVleet is a good option. You shouldn't really be looking at him uh, before the latest rounds in a 12 round, in a 12 team. Um, you know, he, he should be going in your 10, 11, 12s. But, you know, he's someone who can provide you with assists. He can provide you with scoring. He can hit some threes. You know, he, he's a good option, but I don't think, I think his upside is limited, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I worry if he just doesn't get the opportunity because he doesn't have that 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 pedigree being an undrafted guy. But I know a lot of the, the organizations here are savvy and smart enough to notice talent when it's there. But, you know, Van Vliet performed better than even I expected last season when the main Raptors creators were benched and he was asked to do more. Uh, I think if he were to be given a starting gig and a large role, he'd be a top 60-ish player. My concern is that he may never be given that opportunity. I, I worry that he's seen as a really great backup or sixth man or even a starter with a smaller role playing next to other creators because of his lack of tools. We, we know Van Vliet can provide the assists and some threes and a very positive free throw percentage, but other than a potential lack of big opportunity, he'll also put your field goal percentage through some tough times. Uh, he averaged just 41% from the field last season. He put up 11 points per game last season, but only 3.1 of those points came in the paint. So, you know, Van Vliet's pretty reliant on jumpers for his points. So obviously he'll have some off nights when his shot goes cold. And at just six foot 195, he's not really bulldozing over anybody. But to backtrack and answer the question real quick here, I think his best case scenario is that Nick Nurse trusts him and gives him the keys. And in that case, like I said, I see him as a top 60-ish player. And that's con after Lowry's gone um, or, or taking a smaller role or something like that. And Van Fleet uh, has the potential to maybe even push into the fifth round range if the cards really fall right. And worst case scenario is that Toronto brings in another lead guard and Van Vliet is left playing a similar role to what he's been playing, in which case he'd still be a solid bet for something around top 100 kind of production. He's a sturdy floor type of player in my eyes, though. You're not drafting him to be a second or third round value, obviously. So he should be a safe pick in the sixth, seventh round of redraft leagues, maybe a little later, and and maybe another round or so higher, or around that range in dynasty formats. So, okay, we have about a handful more would-you-rather type of questions. So what do you say we go semi-rapid-fire style here? You know, we'll give our answer. I love it. And if we have a, you know, a pretty quick and brief reasoning, we can throw it out there. I assume these are all Dynasty League questions, so let's do it. First up, nine-cat head-to-head Dynasty, D'Angelo Russell or Buddy Heald? Tony, which way are you leaning there? D'Angelo Russell or Buddy Heald in a nine-cat Dynasty? I think I'm taking D'Angelo Russell in that um, just because of his... Uh, well, first off, D'Angelo Russell is going to be a starter, and Buddy Heald will start, but I think that it's possible that he could split time with Bogdan to Bogdanovich, um, especially because of the the rotation situations there. Um, so I, I just think that D'Angelo Russell is, especially before Clay comes back, he's going to be leading on pretty heavily in the Warriors rotation, and it's very possible that he could get traded, um, you know, uh, before Clay comes back, and if that happens, then obviously. You know, he'll be going to a team who really, really wants him. And uh, he, he would be in a situation again, once again where he's, you know, running the show. Um, and, and that's kind of what you're looking for. I think that's why his, his main value last season was that he was the main guy, you know, in, in Brooklyn. And obviously this season his value does go down a little bit because he'll be playing next to Steph Curry, who's going to be playing without Kevin Durant and without Klay Thompson for the first time in a very, very long time. So, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, yeah, it's not, he will, he won't have as big of a year as he had last year, but he will 
probably, I think, return more value than Buddy Heald just because of his ability to give you uh, assists and steals and, you know, threes and scoring at such a, at such a clip. And, and he gets more minutes than, uh, than, than Heald would consistently. Uh, Heald gives you a lot of the same things, but with a little less consistency, and he also doesn't give you the assists. So um, to me, I think I'd take D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, I go Russell. I go Russell here as well. Um, he should have a huge role on this on this shallow Warriors squad, and there's a good chance he finishes even higher than healed this season because of that. Uh, Sacramento is just much deeper than Golden State, and I don't, I don't love that that aspect for uh, for Buddy Healed here. Um, so next up, this guy's punting through free throw percentage and turnovers, and has a pretty well-rounded team where he's not lacking in any particular area. Uh, he asked, who would you rather have for the long haul, Ben Simmons or Clint Capella? Um, well, and, and for me, Ben Simmons was a top 20 player last season in a punt free throw percentage and turnover build, actually. So I'll bet on yep. him to keep it going and go with the upside play. So it's Simmons for me. Who, who are you going with? Yeah, I think Simmons too. But I do wonder this year with Capella, I think with both Russell Westbrook and James Harden facilitating, I think he could. He could really feast this season and the Rockets depth at the bit, you know, in the front court is just, I mean, they don't have any depth. Like I think Gary Clark is going to be getting serious minutes and Isaiah Hartenstein. And those two guys are, let's just say they're, they're, they're not NBA basketball players. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, to me, I think, I, I really think that, uh, that, that Capella could have a huge year this year, but you know, from a long-term outlook, I think I'm, I'm taking Simmons because of because of his ability to just give you so so much. Um, you know, he gives you everything on the floor, obviously, except for threes. Um, he gives you everything in free, in free throw percentage, but gives you everything, and and uh, and he's young, and 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 I think that he, he he's only going to improve. Yeah, and speaking of Clint Capella, I'm actually uh, I'm just starting. I know I've been slacking off on the articles lately, but I'm just starting another article. It's going to be something along the lines of uh, common opinions going into this season that might warrant a second look. And Clint Capella is one of the the main pieces in that article there, where I kind of I'll kind of go into how a popular opinion right now is that Capella might take a bit of a fall in the rankings because of Westbrook coming in, um, taking some rebounds and and things like that. But and I actually make a point to the other side, why I think Capella might not fall so much anyway. So, yeah, be, look, be on the lookout for that. And, uh, I can't make any promises of when that'll be coming out, but uh, I'm just starting to work on it now. So, um, One day. Yeah. <laughs> One day. All right. I, am, uh, I'm, I just came on the clock in one of, my, uh, one of the draft master leagues with Matt Lawson. Uh, oh, okay. It's the, the, the Roto one. This nice. is uh, my eighth pick. It's round eight, pick nine. This team is, uh, it's Roto, like I said, 30 team, draft master. We've talked about this in one of the other pods where you draft your team and you leave it. You can't touch the roster again. Mm-hmm. And uh, the team is pretty solid. I've got Joel Embiid, Jeremy, Jeremy Grant, uh, Kyle Anderson, Kobe White, Zach Levine, TJ Warren, Derek Jones Jr., who I really love excited about that yeah so uh gonna have to look here and see who i'm getting I'm, i might pick daniel gafford oh i like that He's i like that nice gafford role. a lot yeah not not really much depth there behind when carter jr who has had some nope. injury concerns so yeah yep. i like that and I, I wonder if i wonder if if the eight early eighth round it seems about right in the 30 team league oh i was i was actually looking at him in the eighth round of this other a 30-team draft that I'm doing right now, which I'm actually two picks away um, from being on the clock here as well. So oh, hopefully that I can right? do that before, uh, before going to bed. And somebody sniped him from me uh, two picks ahead of me, so I didn't get Oof. him there. So. Yikes. So maybe yeah. it is the right pick. Right. I do need a I've, – I've, I've really only got Joel Embiid uh, as a center to yeah, get any of that stuff. That could be worse. So, and I, I'm thinking that my team isn't isn't really geared towards uh, towards contention right now. With with uh, you know, like I said, Embiid, Levine, Kobe White, Kyle Anderson, Grant, Jeremy Grant, T.J. Warren, 
eh. Yeah. It's Gafford or it's D'Anthony Melton. I was about to ask uh, who might be some of the other uh, yeah. options we crack this open. But yeah, I think... Yeah, uh, Melton, you know, is there. Chumo Keke Okiki. Yeah, I have him in my queue for this, this ninth round pick here. Jalen Brunson. I have Brunson. two guys in front of him. So. I, like, I got Brunson here, too, in my queue. I have a couple guys ahead of him. Uh, I do like him. Where are you putting... Um, I wish, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I wish Dallas, it, it, I'd like Brunson a little more. He was my guy last year. I mean, not as like a, a, a early round breakout or anything like that, but as a solid, uh-huh. a solid floor kind of, uh, sure. kind of guy out there, you know? Yeah. I, I yeah. wish Dallas I think didn't he, bring in the other guards to, to compete with in the depth chart, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I do think he's going to win out, but I think yeah, it's mostly just that I don't know what his role is going to look like in Dallas. Right. Because Luka's going to get so much attention, right? So it's yeah. kind of. I don't really know what he's going to look like there. Yeah, you got uh, I'm just not a got, huge, uh, not a huge Brunson fan. But and then other guards like DeLon Wright and uh, Seth Curry. You know, those two guys are very different right. from each other, but both of those guys right. fit well with Luca being ball dominant in in different right. ways. You know, so yeah, they should definitely. be getting minutes. I'm also looking at uh, Carson Edwards. Yeah, Noah Vonley, maybe. All all decent options in the eighth round of a thirty teamer. I think I like Gafford the most out of Gafford's that. the best, right? Out of all that. Yeah. Cabo Close should be there in the next round. I'm not gonna reach for him now. Yeah. And you know, Gafford yeah. doesn't have the highest ceiling, but I think he has a very solid floor. He's um, gonna get and he has a this great, year. Exactly. I was yeah. gonna say he has yeah. he's in a great spot in Chicago this year too. Yeah. So, yeah I mean what true. his primary competition for that backup role is Cristiano Felicio, which is, oh, you know, yeah, bar he sucks. And, uh, <laughs> and Luke God, Cornette, that guy who, sucks. I don't know if you know we like Cornette as deep league guys, but I don't know if he can play a lot of center minutes, especially in head to head. I'm teams. taking Gafford head to yeah. head between those two guys. Yeah. I'm taking Gafford every time. Yeah, Cornette might be more of a, a guy who splits time between the four and the five, whereas Gafford. Wait can handle his own as a five for a lot of time. But anyway, we can, uh, uh, we got get back got off to the regular here. Um, here. We've got uh, some live drafting going on. I mean, anyone <laughs> listening to this pod is going to love a little bit of live draft. Right. Information <laughs> here, you know? Um, I think we got two more rapid fires here. Um, this one, nine cat dynasty transitioning to a win now mode. Would you trade Trey young for drew holiday? And I'll say, yes, I would if you're trying to win now. Uh, Trey has a fantastic future ahead of him and could be uh, an early third-round type of talent as soon as this year. And obviously with upside for even much higher than that, believe it or not. So, But uh, Drew is ranked 12th in my redraft rankings right now. So he should have a monster year. But it also depends Woo. on the team build for me. I assume... This guy isn't punting anything, or he would have said it. So, yeah, I'd lean Drew um, here. What about you, Tony, in a win-now build? Mm. Oh, man. this Whoever asked this question really knows how to – they really know how to pit us against each other. <laughs> this question, because it's Atlanta, New Orleans, too. Exactly. I didn't, Let's I didn't, not I, forget. I don't even put two and two together there just yeah. until just now. <laughs> it's Atlanta, New Orleans, too. So, obviously, you know – it's against each other here. That's right. It, you know, listen, it's tough to, to count. It's tough to bet against um, Drew Holiday. It really is because he's so talented. And I don't know if. So the big question mark, right? The uh, conventional wisdom should say Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is is you know, has had all-star caliber seasons mm-hmm. for the last few years. He's extremely talented. He's been given the keys to the franchise in New Orleans this season. It's going to be the Drew Holiday show this year. Now, the question mark is around how good is Lonzo Ball? How good is Zion Williamson? Mm-hmm. How much is Lonzo Ball going to take the ball away from Drew Holiday? Because if Drew Holiday isn't giving you elite assists, and if he's not taking a lot of shots and scoring and at, at, that, at that great clip that he scores at, um, then it, it, it becomes a little bit more of a question mark there because 
uh, at least in the question, and what I mean by the question mark is it, with regard to Trey Young. Right. And the reason for that is because Trey Young is going to give you, I mean, he's going to be one of the top five assist men in the NBA this year. Sure. And Drew has the opportunity to be that as well. But, but Trey Young he, he will won't be. He was Lonzo there, though. Yeah. He right. Won't. Like, we know for a fact that Trey Young will be that this year. With Drew, it's possible, but it's not. It's not a foregone conclusion. Um, Drew is going to give you more consistency across the board than Trey Young will give you. So I'm probably still leaving, leaning more towards Drew Holiday with the yeah. caveat that it's very possible that this could turn the other direction if, you know, say we come out and we happen to see that Lonzo Ball and Zion Williamson are just totally in love with each other on the floor. Then And, and you know, Drew Holiday just for whatever reason kind of has – maybe a little less of a, of a, 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 you know, his usage and utilization perhaps goes down a little bit, then it, it does become a little bit more of a contentious question. And, you know, something I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn on here because uh, it kind of hurts me to say this as a, as a New Orleans sports homer, but I'm in love with every single Atlanta Hawks player. I love all of, I love the players on this team and, this he did say this is a dynasty league, but he's trying to win now. But my question is, how much of a difference is is Drew going to be from Trey? You know, like I said, I have Drew as the twelfth overall in my rankings, but I don't know how much homerism comes into play there. And you know, I see Trey. Um, let me pull it up here real quick. I see Trey as something maybe even close to a second round guy this year. On on, on my redraft rankings, I have him. 23rd overall this season so obviously i'm i'm high on trey young as well so is it worth i'm i might be backtracking on this man i might be flip-flopping live on the show here that, that that's only a nine that, spot. that's only a nine spot. so is it worth trading away your your youth here for for drew holiday who's 29 years old uh, and i don't know i don't know i don't know about that i know if uh, trey young will hurt hurt you in a especially in two areas, pretty right. bad. Right. And if you need the bump in field goal percentage, then, yeah, pull the trigger. But I don't know. This is, this is closer than I originally estimated for me here. So It's, it's a really good question. I think I, I do give the edge to Drew yeah. just because exactly for the point that you gave because of his consistency sure. and the fact that he can give you so much across the board. But, again, it just comes down to, you know, how much do you believe – uh, you know, how much do you believe that that Drew Holiday's consistency and his production will stay, uh, you know, will stay at the same level? I, I happen to think that it will. But, you know, if you're a big Lonzo Ball fan or if you happen to think that Lonzo Ball is, you know, deserving of the pick that he was picked at, which he's not, I think <laughs> which anybody, I think anybody in the NBA today, today would take Darian Fox over, over Lonzo Ball. But, you know... Yeah. Uh, but you know, if, if if you're still someone who thinks that he's the the number two draft pick, then uh, well, look, you know, I, I don't think Lonzo will ever be a a top scorer for his team. I think I don't think that's his skill set. I don't think that's what he's going to be bringing to the table. So I think Drew will be set with points. I don't think he has to worry at least about with Lonzo there. I think Ingram might be a bit of a worry when it comes to that, but. I think Drew, obviously, he's the starting two guard, and he's going to be the backup point guard here, uh, in my opinion. Um, he's going to be the backup um, facilitator. But it's just the question of if Drew, because the, the, the value for Drew Holiday is, you know, you can get points from anyone, right? The sure. value for Drew Holiday is that he's giving you elite assists. He's getting you steals, you know. Blo he, out of he, position blocks. He's getting you out of position blocks. He's getting you, you know decent rebounds I mean, he gets five rebounds a game it's shocking he does everything right yeah but on a in a team where now you've got brandon ingram you've got zion williamson you've got Derek favors you've got lots of balls so deep all yeah. of these guys Josh Hart, jj reddick yeah right, so many. yeah all of these guys do multiple things right brandon ingram can handle the ball rebound and shoot yeah. lonzo ball can handle the ball and rebound Derek favors can rebound and and block shots and and, and get steals right so so the question just is, do Holiday going to provide the same level of consistency or is he going to now just become, you know, great three-point shooting, 
you know, great field goal percentage, great points, but then the other stuff, you know, he's not giving you seven assists a game, mm-hmm. a steal and a half a game, almost a block a game because he's playing in a more contained, you know, system. I, I think I, that, I could buy into that narrative, you know, but I yeah. do think that in the long run, right? Like I do think that the, the, the most likely event is that Drew Holiday continues to be, you know, as great as he has been and, and, you know, his value will recoup itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Alvin Gentry want to be the fastest paced team in the league helps too. But for me, it just comes down to, if you really think you have a chance to win it all this season, yeah, I'd pull the trigger. If not, I think I'd rather stay with Trey. Um, okay. We can, we can, we really got off track there. We can get into our final question here. Uh, well, we didn't get off track. We just kind of went deep into it. So, Rebuilding in a 20-team, nine-cat dynasty league, not trying to compete right now. Would you trade Kyrie for John Morant and a first-round pick? Oh, man, what do you, what do you think, Tony? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would. I yeah. would, because Kyrie Irving, it's, it's if you're, I mean, if, okay, for two reasons, right? Not trying to compete, A. For that, sure. yeah. you're getting picks in John Morant. I mean, come on. Yeah. B, if you're not competing right now, then the, Kyrie's value was higher this year than it will be next year because Kevin Durant yeah, yeah. comes back and then Kyrie Irving, you know, is Kyrie Irving and, you know, we'll see. But uh, Kevin Durant's the best player in the NBA after Giannis Antetokounmpo. And we'll see if he is that, if he, if he is that when he comes back from his injury. But, you know, once right. KD comes back, Kyrie's value decreases yeah even, so, if, even if he's just 70 percent of himself when he comes back it's still exactly yeah exactly and at this point now Kyrie Irving's value is the highest that it's going to be probably right. ever again so yes yeah. yes 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 yeah smash that <laughs> run do not walk you know Kyrie has only played over 70 games once over the last four seasons I think right. so but I mean, I, it's John Morant and conceivably a first-round pick, which will be a late one if it's if he's getting Kyrie and he's giving up a pick. It means it's probably going to be a later yeah. pick. So this is how I saw it. I don't know. I think you might be able to squeeze just a little more out of the deal, depending on how much this guy wants Kyrie and wants to compete. But it also depends on the other team's build. You know, if they were bad enough last season to get Morant in the draft, then maybe their first-round pick for next season will also be a high one. Which, which if in that case, yes, definitely pull the trigger. If it's not, then maybe try to squeeze a little more out of the deal. Um, but like I said, if you think that pick could potentially be another top five-ish pick, then yeah, definitely um, I, I would pull the trigger on that. Um, yeah, that's that's it though. I, I think uh, you ready to wrap this up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. All right. Well. <clears throat> Remember to visit us at thefantasyunicorns.com as the season draws closer. Um, our redraft rankings are up now, and our dra- dynasty rankings should be up soon, hopefully. Where I know we're all working pretty hard on that. Um, where can they find you on social media, Tony? The people can find me uh, at who's underscore your underscore papa. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Be sure to catch me on Twitter at FantasyNBALayup. Um, I'm always available for questions and just general basketball conversation. I don't know. Tony usually fills those same shoes. So We're but, good for witty, ban- witty banter. <laughs> We're yeah. good for that. So come, come and get your fix of witty banter. Oh, yeah. And we can, we can, we can dabble in a little fantasy football, too, if you want to, if you want to do that. But that's you know, more you because I am, yeah, I, am uh, I am severely challenged when it comes to fantasy football. <laughs> but I did make a, uh, a really top class trash talk video um, just absolutely tearing into the guy that I beat this week because <laughs> I crushed him. It was 158 to like 87. I just oh, crushed him and I made it feel perfect. horrible about it. Um, as you should, because that's, when you win, yeah. you don't, we don't really get to win in our society, you know, like, you don't <laughs> competition isn't something that happens like outside of like, when you get into the adult world, like the feeling of, of winning something. So it's when you get that opportunity, you got to drive it home. You got to drive it home. Especially in fantasy sports. 
Oh, absolutely. And in football, it's such a fluke thing, right? It takes no talent. Oh, God. I hate, I hate, I hate that I like fantasy football. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just even better to just absolutely rip into someone because he had a really good week last week, but he has like Alshon Jeffrey and, uh, and, um, yeah, Jimmy Graham too. And he just got absolutely yeah. just, and just fantasy pumped. football. Fantasy football is one of those. One of those inconsistent things, man, where, you know, I could uh, I learned this lesson last year where I could do as much research as possible. And another guy can come into my Yahoo League, not doing any research and draft off of ADP. Literally nothing. Yeah, could do nothing and beat me. So that's uh, that's fantasy football for you. What what who who said? uh, Well, I think it was Craig in the uh, in the group chat. He said, you know, you could get. Last year, you could have had, you know, Andrew Luck, uh, Antonio Brown, um, Gronk a few years ago. You know, Gronk, you could have had all these guys. You could have had a great, a great team. And now that team would be. That's true. Trash, you know. Yep. Um, yep. I mean, I guess it remains to be seen about Antonio Brown. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, anyway, point is basketball and by extension, fantasy basketball. Yeah. As anyone who's listening to this podcast knows, is much much better. It's, uh, it's, and NBA is bay, and that's it. That's right. It's uh, there's so much difference between each year in fantasy football. But anyway, I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna cue the outro music here, and that'll be it for us. Until next time, fantasy fiends. We will catch you later.